Hi everyone, welcome to our service. I know this is an unusual way to do church, like almost everything you've done this week and the week before has probably been an unusual way to do it. A way to do work, a way to do family, a way to do friends that you haven't done before and that you're not used to and that maybe feels a little scary or a little exciting or just different. And I'm glad that you have made the effort to be here anyway, to share in this time with us and more importantly to share in this time with God, who has said to us that God is with us in all things, with us through all things, that God has promised that God will be our constant companion through however it is you feel about how life is now, through your sadness, through your joys, through your confusion, through your numbness, whatever it is that you are experiencing now, in this moment, in your body, in your soul, in your household, God is with you. God loves you. And so I ask you, if you are the praying kind, that you would start this time off of responding to that beautiful scripture we just read by praying with me. God of grace, mercy, and power. God of surprises, God of justice, God of glory. God of staying at home and finding you there. Be with us in this hour, in this moment, in this month, in this year. Help us to see where you are moving and calling us and drawing us in. Help us to know you intimately. And God, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart and the movements of our bodies this day and every day be of you. And if they aren't, help us to figure it out, to turn around, to find some new way of speaking or of being. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This scripture is, in general, one of my favorites. It says everything to me about who we are that God in my spiritual life has said to me about who we are. It says that we are one. It says that we are each different, unique. It says that we are all needed. We are indispensable, is what the scripture says. And those are things that I have always felt about people, about creation, about all of the parts of it. But it's been echoing particularly strongly on my heart this last week or two uh, because of a story I once heard in seminary about a church in San Francisco that during the AIDS crisis in the late 80s and early 90s, during the height of when everyone but especially queer people and especially gay men were just losing friends and loved ones and family members all of the time, and the government was not there for them. The government did not help, did not respond to the crisis, did not see it as the crisis that it was because of whose lives it valued and whose lives it devalued. The church was not there for them for the most part because it did not value and devalue people the way that God does, which is value for every part of the body. But there was this one church in the Bay that was the LGBTQ church, the place that knew the gospel, the place that knew who God made and knew who people were and knew what love looked like. And during the crisis, every week during communion, they would say, as they broke the bread, this is the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. The body of Christ has AIDS. And 
it echoes over and over again because it feels like what's true now and what's true every minute, which is that if one part of us is ailing, all of us are ailing. If one part of us is hurt, all of us are hurt. We are the body of Christ. The body of Christ has COVID-19 and it's having consequences for every single one of us. That is what life has felt like these last few weeks, that this promise of being one, of being one body, is also something of a risk, something that that can be hard, can be hard to live with and live through, and something that we have to be more attentive to than we have been in the past. Part of what being one body means is what we have learned in these days, which is that if one of us doesn't have paid sick leave, all of us are hurt by it. If one of us is immunocompromised and their medical care will not see and listen to what that person is saying, all of us are hurt by it. If one of us needs free medical care and free testing and can't get it, that hurts all of us. All of those things have always been true. It has always been the gospel. It has always been the nature of God and the nature of creation that none of us are free until all of us are free and none of us are whole and healthy and love and in love and in justice until all of us are. But it feels really acute right now. The evidence is there in our everyday experience. And so I want us to think about what that means, what that means for us and for our faith for who we are and for how we live going forward. And not just the days that have been, but in the days that are to come. So first I wanna think a little bit about grief, which might not sound like the same thing, it might not sound like the same thing as being one body, but it's something that I'm feeling so deeply right now in all of us. I wanna make sure that we feel it together. What I've been seeing in my timeline, on my phone, all of the ways that I can connect to people, and I'm sort of trying desperately to this last week or two, is a lot of grief about so many different things. There's the grief that we're used to, which is the grief of loss. Some of us have lost people in this or simply during this, and the loss has been compounded by not being able to go to their funeral, by not being able to share loss with others. And it's deeply painful. And then there are all of these other kinds of losses that I don't know if people even know to name as mourning and loss, but they are, which are the losses that may seem silly, but, but hit you still. The, the losses of that coffee you have with a friend every single week that now just isn't happening, right? The loss of time spent going out and going on dates and imagining what those relationships might turn into that just isn't happening right now. The loss of prom or graduation or a wedding or a honeymoon or simply a plan to go to a concert, see a person, make a trip, go outside in a way that you were excited about that now you can't. One of the bigger losses, I think, is simply the loss of certainty. The loss that we are living in ambiguity right now, as we kind of always are, but we feel it more, that we can't plan for, that we can't predict the future. And it's painful. 
It's a kind of mourning to give up the idea you had about how things would be. And like I said, some of these are truly bigger and some of them are truly smaller. The care should flow towards the big ones, but that doesn't mean that the little ones haven't happened. I'll share with you that one loss I'm experiencing today is the loss of sharing this sermon time with you. I've always thought that sermons are something that happen in community with people. You guys write half the sermons by the way that you look or respond to the Holy Spirit or the things that you say to me that day, and, and I miss that today. Is it the most important thing in the world? No, it's not. Is it the most important thing that's happening right now? Absolutely not. But it's something that I need to feel in order to move forward. And so I want to say that if you are feeling grief right now over something that was a loss to you, big or small, deep and wide, or shallow and little, feel that. It's okay to. Mourn that. It's okay to. Tell people about it so they can help you and support you and live through it with you. And most of all, don't think that just because you're experiencing loss and grief, it means that you have to blame someone, particularly yourself, for it. This may not be how you're experiencing grief and loss right now, but it's something that I've seen a lot of people doing as they experience grief and loss right now, and as they experience grief and loss all the time, that when you lose something, it feels like such a, such a shock to the system. It's so hard that you want to find a reason. Our brains are these reason-finding machines. And so you look and you say, well, maybe if I had done things differently, maybe if I had gone to a different place, stayed home a day earlier, maybe if I had made a call differently, this bad thing or this bad thing or this bad thing wouldn't have happened. And this is particularly true for people who are sick in this time. If I had known, if I had gotten tested, if I had paid more attention, maybe I wouldn't have passed it on. And I just want to say that bad things happen sometimes for no good reason. And sometimes you will never find one and you don't need to go looking. The most damaging version of this we've seen is one that I hope deeply, if you are living with the Valleys of Urban Village, you have not adopted yourself, but that we all need to be challenging, which is that many people are trying to find direction, meaning, um, uh, responsibility for their losses and their fear and their uncertainty in racism, right? We have seen an uptick in hate crimes against Asian American people in uh, both physical crimes, verbal crimes, people attacking people online. And this is a classic tale that human beings experience hardship and they pick an oppressed group and make them responsible, scapegoat them in the same way, right? That, that has happened to so many and cause enormous pain that does not ease the originating pain. So not only is it wrong in its own face, not only is it immoral, it also doesn't work. And so I encourage you also to not only not blame yourself for what you're experiencing, but also challenge the ways in which you see people having really harmful responses to all of the loss and grief that we're going through right now. Call people out on it. Make it change. Make a difference. Part of the reason why these griefs, I think, have been so hard is that we're each going through it ourselves. We each have our own adjustments to make to this time. And we are all experiencing all of these adjustments simultaneously. Usually we kind of trade off who's in it. We trade off who's having a hard time. And right now we're all having the same hard time at the same hard time. So it's not that you and your best friend, you have a crisis this week and she has one next week. It's that you're both living through it now. 
The fact that we are the body of Christ feels vulnerable in this moment. The fact that we are so deeply connected to other human beings feels vulnerable in this moment, not only physically, Many of us have to adopt social isolation because it feels like physical connection to others might be dangerous for them or for people we've never even met, but also emotionally. If I open up, if I'm truthful about what's happening, if other people are truthful about what's happening, can we hold all of the weight of what all of this means? And I wanna to say to you that the answer is yes, and that the answer is that it's always worth it. That being one body is not something that can be denied or walked away from or something made unreal by physical distance or anything else in the world. We remain one body. And there are things about it that are vulnerable. There are things about being deeply connected to every single other human being and every single other part of creation that are risky. And they are the greatest gift we have ever had because they're the only way we're going to get through these days and whatever else life has to throw at us. Because the thing about being the body of Christ is that it's not just the hard stuff that we share. It's the good stuff too. On those days when you feel like you can't get together enough hope and love to get through the day, one of your friends, one of your community, one of your circle of care does. And they will lend it to you. When literally you do not have enough food to get through the week, one of your friends, one of your circle of care, one of your neighbors has cans of food, has the cup of sugar, and they will lend it to you. You are not alone in this. It's not just your own resources that you have to rely on. You are a part of the body of Christ. You can say to no other part, I don't need you. And the gift of that is that you do need people and they are there. This is what I so deeply hope we are all experiencing in this time how necessary we are to one another, and that we start to live like it. <laughs> we can be more connected than we have been. One thing we're learning a lot in this time is all of the stuff we're capable of that people told us we couldn't do before. This is something I've heard a lot, particularly from my disabled friends. Um, this is, it's reminded me so much of the part of the passage, right, that says all of the members of the body who the world calls weak are actually the most indispensable the most indispensable. If you center their words, their experiences, life will be better for everyone. And this has been the experience of many disabled people, which is that they have been advocating for years, for decades, for options like work from home, options like social life across technology, across distance, that makes it more accessible to everyone. Options like mutual aid and care within neighborhoods, spaces that are more physically accessible to everyone. And now, all of a sudden, after businesses and government having said for years and years, oh, we can't do that, oh, that's too hard, turns out what they really meant was, you, this one part of the body, we don't need you, so we won't do this for just you. But when it's everybody, I guess now we'll give it a try. <laughs> Imagine what life might be like if the whole time we had been saying, if one part of the body isn't a part of it, it isn't truly good or real or hopeful or joyful, we're going to bring everybody along. If something is better for one of us, if something is better for an ear or better for an eye, then if we figure it out, right, in whatever way we can, putting it together slowly, then that will be better for all of us. 
this is truly what we have experienced at this church, right? We are not there yet. <laughs> There's so much we have to learn about being a church that is for everyone. But something I know you've experienced, because I've experienced it too, is that every time we have moved as a community to say to one more person who seems to be on the edge, what could we do? What could we do to make this a community that worked for you? All of a sudden, every single other person in the church felt a little more welcome, a little more open, a little more sure that this is a place where you can be who you are, where you can be loved, and where you can be connected to people who will love you in real ways. We are the body of Christ. There is so much the body of Christ has to offer in this time. There are so many people who want to lift you up who want to hold you in whatever you're experiencing, who want to be there for you, and who want to learn from you. This is the time to be connected, because that's how we are made to be. Not alone, but with. Not I, but us. Everything, everything comes from that. In God and in Jesus Christ, we find a new way of living together that all of us are going to need in the days and months to come, and so we might as well start practicing it. No one's going to be perfect at it. It's not always going to feel comfortable. Sometimes it's going to be weird, and none of it will make the losses go away. But I remember, I remember that on the night he gave himself up for us, the night before the worst thing that ever happened to Jesus was going to happen to him, what did he decide to do? Get together with some friends and break some bread and declare we are one, even though the next couple of days are really <laughs> going to make it feel like we aren't, he declared we are one. And somehow simply in the declaration, it became true. And it became something that saw that community through more than they ever could have expected, anticipated, or hoped for, that they remained one in Jesus Christ with love and hope and joy and cherishing, and by acts too, they were sharing and sharing alike. One community that had so much because they didn't think they had to just have what one had. Let's start to live like that and see how it feels and be grateful for one another in all of the feelings we will feel and all of the actions we will take and in all of the weirdness that might come. I'm grateful to be a part of your community I'm hoping you're grateful to be a part of one another's, and I'm grateful that God has put us all together. Amen.